You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. Go on riverboat gambling trips. You're gonna die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday, there was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panianovich. It's called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. How about that? Joining us again on Chicken Dinner, he is a sports betting host, but most importantly, he's the founder and the father of Wagertainment. Many have claimed to invent that term, Nick Costos, at the Costos, host of You Better You Bet, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. What's going on, my man? Great to be on with you, my friend. A great time of year in the world of sports. NFL playoffs, divisional weekend. My favorite sports weekend of the year as a fan is coming up. And, uh, of course, we'll have we'll have action on all these games. So thanks for having me, my friend. Great to have you on. You better, you bet every single football Friday during the season. And uh, happy to come on your show now. If only the people could see us repping our brands. We stay strong to the brand. You've got your Yankees hat on. I've got my Sox hat on. We rep these everywhere, don't we? Uh, I wear my Yankee hat all the time, everywhere that I go. Uh, this is a true. This is true, what I'm about to say. I own about nine Yankee hats in different colors, so I have a Yankee hat basically for every occasion. The Yankees aren't even my favorite team out of the teams I root for. The Giants are, but like, there's there's nothing that's more iconic than than the Yankee hat, and the Yankee hat's the coolest hat, so I I wear it quite a bit. Nine Yankee hats and two hundred pairs of sneakers. Am I close? Uh, I've actually got off the sneaker train, believe it or not. I sold a lot of my pairs of sneakers and I pared it down. I wear a lot of like Clarks now, believe it or not, as I like kind of really move into like my, I turned 40 later this year. So my tastes are starting to change a little bit. So yeah, less on the sneakers and more on like loafers and Clarks. Let's uh, start, hashtag midlife crisis for sure. Let's start with the Giants since you brought them up. I was trying to sell you on this fucking team in July. And being a diehard Giants fan, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Because you've been tortured for six straight years with, what, McAdoo, Shermer, Joe Judge. I know you wanted the Giants to be good. I didn't think they were going to be this good. And then I did the stupid thing and bet against them this past weekend against Minnesota. But, man, from your perspective, how much has Brian Dable changed things for Big Blue? Yeah, he's he's the best coach ever. Um, the reason why I like him the most, I am a I am a total narcissist. As I think, like anyone that like spends like their that spends their living like talking behind a microphone, right, or on camera. Um, I'm a huge narcissist, and the reason why I like Brian Dable. Um, above all else, A, like he's great for the team and he's like maximized the talent and got them to the final four of the NFC. But he also confirms my belief that I am a brilliant football mind because every single time I'm sitting on my couch watching the Giants and I'm thinking like Dable should go for it here or this is what the Giants should do. Dable always does what I think he should do and it always works. And I'm just like, God, I love this guy. And then it makes me think that I'm even smarter than I than I already do, which is and I have a very high opinion of myself. But like the decisions in the game on Sunday against Minnesota, like in your own territory, fourth and one, fuck punting. Like we've got six foot six inch burly ass Daniel Jones, sneak it for a yard, get the first down, keep this rolling. Third and 16 at the end of the game. Like I understand Slayton dropped the pass, but like a lot of coaches there run the ball and punt. Let's try and bleed, like take a tie, like make them take a timeout or bleed time off the clock. 
or check it down or run a screen. Dable said, no, we are trying to get the first down here. Go try and win the game. That's why I love Brian Dable. And like, I think it makes for a very interesting Saturday, Sam, on divisional weekend, because you have the two big underdogs, the Giants and the Jaguars, Giants in Philly, Jacksonville in Kansas City. And if you are looking for underdog upsets, those two coaches, Brian Dable and Doug Peterson, are the coaches that you would want to have. Coaches that coach to win and not not to lose, which I feel like is a lot of what you get in the National Football League. That's been the biggest thing for me. Brian Dable tries to win. He doesn't try to not lose. And he set the tone early this year. Week one, right out of the shoot. We're going down the field. We're going to score. And then you know what? I'm not kicking the extra point. I'm going for two because we're going to win this game. He set the tone from week one, and that team completely bought into what he was selling. And you look at those two games on Saturday. I was actually on one of your uh, your shows on BetQL with uh, Ostrowski and, and uh, Hawksworth, and I think Mark Zinno was filling in that day. And we were talking about Saturday. And I said, that is going to be the most square teaser of the season. You go with Philly, you tease them down from 7.5 to 1.5, then you go and you tease Kansas City 8.5 down to 2.5. I'm not saying you can't win. It's likely that it will win, given that their touchdown favorites are higher. But that is a square teaser piece on Saturday. If one of those teams goes down, KC or Philly, which one is more likely to you? Uh, I think it's easily, easily Philadelphia. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Giants fan. I'm just like curious, like your opinion on this and like the person like listening to this right now, like maybe you agree or disagree with, with what I'm about to say. The point spread of the game is fascinating. Philly only being a seven and a half point favorite. And for context, and like Sam, I know you do a lot of this yourself. And I think it's like a smart way for people to think about point spreads. So these two teams played a couple months ago in MetLife. The Eagles closed a seven and a half point favorite, like bludgeoned the Giants in the game one big. So if, if we want to like take that closing point, point spread seven and a half, give the Giants a point for home field, let's say eight and a half. Now we flip home field, we're through 10 or at the very least 210, right? Eagles have a bye. That's got to be built in. It's a playoff game. I build on a little more home field for a playoff game. This point spread's got to be over 10. At, at 10 at minimum. And it's almost seven and has been seven at points this week. And it's currently sitting at seven and a half. So I'm trying to think, okay, like what are some of the reasons for this? Let's say that you, the person listening right now, are you Sam or me, you wanted to upgrade the giants from that game to now, which I think is a fair thing to say, right? Does the upgrade ever get you to this? where it's seven and a half. I think the answer is no. Maybe it gets you under 10, like to nine and a half or nine or something. Does it get you to seven? For me, for me, it's it's absolutely never. So for me, this has to be betters with influence. And like, I'm willing to be wrong about anything, right? This is, we do a probability game, not a fortune telling game, right? So what do I think the probability here is? I think that there has to be pessimism about Jalen Hurts' health. And I understand that he practiced in full today on Wednesday when we were taping this. He practiced in full on Tuesday. He was also practicing in full before week 18 and then said after the game that he was like not 100%. So like, I get it. Like also, like the betting market, I think is saying that there's some pessimism about Jalen Hurts. So if this game starts and Hurts' plays like he does in week 18, I think the Giants are very live to win this game. Now, maybe Jacksonville keeps the game close and they can cover the spread. I'm probably not going to play the game, Sam. I think the point spread's perfect. KC in between like seven and a half and nine and a half. It's smack dab in the middle at eight and a half. That's fine. Maybe the Jaguars keep it close. I don't think the Jacksonville's going to win the game. I think if Jalen Hurts is not healthy, the Giants are very live to win the game. And to me, the point spread is an indication that Jalen Hurts might not be at 100%, despite the fact that they had a week off and he's practicing in full. That's just my opinion. I look at the health of the Giants' defense. 
that is sort of the elephant in the room because we talk about Dable and Kafka and what they've done on offense. We look at the Eagles' skill positions and all their talent and speed on offense, but we don't talk enough about how from weeks four to ten, give or take, that Giants defense was missing two or three starters in most of those games, and they get a Dory Jackson back. Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams are finally sort of healthy. They're getting really good run from Kayvon Thibodeau. This defense looks different than it did in Week 10, and I always I always look to the healthy, stingy defense in the playoffs. I don't know that the Giants can win this game. Well, of course they could on any given Saturday or Sunday, but I'm going to take 7.5, I'll tell you right now, because I'm not making the same mistake I did last week when I laid three against Dable. This guy just – he's a different monster, and I think there's something to be said about him – Maybe saving things for the playoffs, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. And like, and I, I'm on record saying, and I said this on You Better You Bet on Monday, I kind of think like the narrative needs to stop with the Giants, that Dable is basically doing this with smoke and mirrors, like wave a wand and like the team is is playing well because the, and the team is actually bad. Like the team is actually good. Like the Giants are good. Like I actually think that narrative needs to come to an end. Uh, the offensive line is pretty good. Saquon's obviously good. Daniel Jones has been really good. The three wide receivers get banged on by everybody. Hodgins, Richie James, and Slayton. They're good. Like actually watch the games and watch them play. They're good. The defense is good. And the coaches are all good. So like the Giants are a good team. So like you might be right. They could organically cover this number. Here's how I'm going to play this game. I'm not. I, I am choosing to, and I didn't bet the Giants-Vikings game last week. Um, I am If I had to, I would have bet Minnesota minus two and a half, and we would have been on the same side, by the way. Um, I want to watch this game as a fan, and I want to enjoy myself. If I had to bet the game, I would bet the Eagles, because I think the point spread's crazy in the same way, and it didn't. it doesn't mean that I had to be right on Monday night. I felt like the point spread was crazy with Dallas and Tampa, Dallas being less than three, laid it with the Cowboys. It's not like, well, Dallas won, so now like Philly has to win. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just that I think the corollary there is I think the point spread's way off. So I would actually only bet the Eagles in the game. That being said, I'm not going to bet it, and I'm going to root for my team to win and root for you to win your bet. Speaking of point spreads that are a little off, I was talking with some of the guys at the Westgate, and as you know, they open NFL quicker than any book in Vegas, usually regular season. They open up Sunday night, right after Sunday night football kicks off. So these guys are sharp, and those lines don't really move that much. I was talking with Ed Sammons about Cincinnati and Buffalo, and he says, you know, if Cincinnati's healthy, it's three and a half. What does that open it, though? Five. And we were texting earlier this week. He says, I have big concerns about their offensive line. We've seen the news about Jonah Williams, left tackle for Cincy, dislocated kneecap. The coaching staff says he's week to week, so <laughs> he's probably not playing this weekend. Then you go to the right side of the line. Alex Kappa with the ankle, week to week. The right tackle, Lyle Collins, out with a, a torn ACL. So they are down likely this Sunday. Three starting offensive linemen. How much does that matter to you, and does it justify Buffalo being 5-5.5? Five, five 
Um, I was on record saying before, like even before the Jonah Williams injury, because we we were projecting spreads for this potential game last week on You Better You Bet. Uh, I was going to get bet Buffalo up to five and a half in the game. Six would be my stopping point, and I would like I would take six with Cincinnati. I feel like that would be that's my guess is like if it ever gets there, that's where there will be resistance and the number will get pushed back down. That that's my guess. Um, I I love Buffalo in the game, and whether Cincy's offensive line was healthy or not, I was going to lay Buffalo like whatever the price was going to be, assuming that it wasn't going to be out of control. Like six, six and a half or more than that. Um, I don't disagree with Ed. And like, and when I say I don't disagree, like he obviously is, you know, more experienced than me. I'm not trying to like be like, he's wrong. Of course he's not wrong. I do think he's like, if since he's fully healthy rolling into this game, Buffalo more than three. So I think we're kind of like saying the same thing here, right? Basically more than three and less than six for the bill. So I agree. I think it should be as close to six as possible without getting there with the injuries on the Cincinnati offensive line. Uh, I like Buffalo a lot in the game. I think the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. Here's where I'll say, Sam, where I think the offensive line injuries for Cincy could really come into play. So the total in the game has been bet down a couple points, right? Um, it was 50 earlier in the week, and now I believe it's sitting at 48 as we as we record this right now. Um, weather expected potentially, right? Where the wind could be really bad. It's Buffalo outdoors in January. Like, of course, the weather could be bad. Let's just say that the weather is going to be really bad. Like the weather is bad in the game. It's windy. The teams are going to have a tough time throwing the football. I think this is big time advantage, big time advantage Buffalo. And I think it hurts the Bengals with that banged up offensive line where they're not going to be able to run the ball. And if Burrow is going to have difficulty passing the ball because the wind's going to be really bad, like I don't see how the Cincinnati offense is going to be able to move the football that well against the Buffalo defense. Whereas Buffalo can power run the ball with their running backs, with Singletary and with Cook, and also, by the way, with Josh Allen. And Allen, and say what you want about Burrow, Burrow's awesome. Allen's arm is stronger. He showed in that Monday Night Football game last year against the Patriots and the wind that he can sling it through basically any wind conditions here. Where I think like that's where it could really manifest. If the wind's going to be bad, like that's where Cincinnati he's offensive line being out, I think really hurts the Bengals here, where otherwise I think they'll just try and neutralize the Bills defense with a short passing game. I like Buffalo either way, but I think that's like another way to think about it. If the weather is bad and the total drops, I think it really favors the Buffalo Bills. I like Buffalo big time in the game. Yeah, but you wouldn't lay six, as you said, because it's about the number. I would number. not lay six. It's not that's the right. team. And I saw it a couple times on Monday, Tuesday, touch six. South Point moved to six for about five minutes. And then it went right back to five and a half because there is that potential middle situation. I know that games don't land five, but they could land five. There are guys that laid four out of the shoot and guys that laid four would gladly take six and they'd love to take six and a half, seven, but it's not going to go that far. And then the last game, I didn't want to break down every game with you, but we only have four of them. It's Dallas and San Francisco. I'll go first here. I thought it was very crucial that these books, especially offshore, opened this just under 47. After San Francisco clubbed Seattle and Dallas rolled Tampa, those offenses look great, but these defenses are a lot better, if you know what I mean. It's going to be hard for San Francisco to move the ball. I think it'll be hard for Dallas to move the ball. You look up, you got some books now, 45 and a half, 45 and a half. Vegas books, 46. More tickets on the over, but that thing is coming down. What do you make of Dallas and San Fran? So it's funny, right? Um, you give that introduction and I'm going to hit you with the exact opposite here. And this is can fall under the umbrella of what I like to call like hashtag bet square don't care. It might be really square. I love the over in this game. Oh and like I, 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 I can be wrong, obviously, but I think San Francisco secondary 
is going to be the Achilles heel of this team when it's all said and done. And maybe they win the Super Bowl, but I mean, I, I think that they will eventually lose the game because I don't trust this defense. Remember, this is a defense that in week 17 got ripped up by Jared Stidham making his first NFL start. In week 18, like David Blau, like did like a decent job moving the football on the secondary with the third string Arizona Cardinals offense. And DK Metcalf had a huge game. Seattle was driving to take the lead in the third quarter before Geno put the ball on the turf and then San Francisco blew them out from that point forward here. I definitely think Dallas can move the ball in the air on the San Francisco defense. Now, maybe Nick Bosa just wrecks the game, and it's obviously possible that that happens. I, I think it's more likely that Dak's going to be able to sling the ball down the field to CeeDee Lamb and the rest of these weapons. I think Dallas can move the ball through the air on this Niners defense. And on the flip side here, the Niners offense is pretty much quarterback proof. It's basically going to be Purdy takes the ball, throws it immediately to Kittle, to Ayuk, to, uh, to Debo, to McCaffrey, and they're going to be able to move the ball on literally anybody. I think you and I will be mano mano on this one, brother. I love the over on this game. Make me take a side, I guess. I guess I would, I, I would probably no just play idea. Cowboys money line. I'll play Dallas to win the game, I guess. But I'm honestly, like flip a coin. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think it's 50-50. All right. I don't love the under. You love the over. So we'll see what shakes out there. I have a couple other quick questions. I've had this one in the vault for a while because you tweeted this about six months ago. And I have a, a file on my phone full of pictures that guests I know are going to come back on the show. And you were talking about meeting the bookie at Toys R Us. Who picks that spot? Who picks fucking Toys R Us? Yeah, I don't... This had to be... So this is a true story. It had to be... I was living... um, I was still living with my with my in my mom's house at the time. So this is probably like 2006. Probably 2000. Let's say 2006, I think, is like... Is probably the year that this was. And at the time, I was like... Some people would say I'm still not a great better, but like definitely then definitely a losing better Um, and lost a lot. And like thought I knew what I was doing, basically falling into the trap that I feel like a lot of new betters do, which is, man, I really know sports and I watch a lot of sports. I'll bet you I can predict who's going to win a game by how many points aren't. Even like the best people in the world have difficulty doing this, obviously, on a uh, on a consistent basis. So that was we met at a Toys R Us in Queens, where I used to live in New York City. Uh, that was the meeting point, and I handed my bookie an envelope of money, which is not to make it sound like it was a ton of money. It was probably like five hundred bucks, but to me at the time, that might as well have been like ten million dollars with the money that I was making, like doing like ra- like behind the scenes stuff in radio at Sirius XM at the time, Sirius Satellite Radio at the time. So yeah, that one always sticks out. Like driving to a Toys R Us. Being like 23 years old and being like, man, what am I doing with my life right now? Uh, turned out okay as it turns as it happens. Think about how many toys you could have bought with that money. Yeah, I think at that point I would have rather just bought a winner in the National Football League or the NBA. Toys R Us is hysterical because it just doesn't make any sense. There's no reason you should be going to Toys R Us to beat the bookie. I've, I mean, I've met at all kinds of places like you know, rest stops off the highway. Um, you know, golf smiths in Chicago. There was a golf smith on uh, Damon on the uh, north side of the city. I've met all over the place. I think the worst, though, is when you have to go into the back of an Italian restaurant. Have you done that yet? Or did you ever? I mean, I'm not going to do that anymore, but did you ever do that? I don't think so, which is funny because, like, I live in New York City, which is, like, the capital of all of this stuff, obviously. I've, I've never had to do the Italian restaurant thing. But uh, 
a lot of other meeting points. Generally, it was like at the time I was working at Sirius. Uh, it was Sirius Satellite Radio at that time before they merged with XM. So there were a lot of meeting points like in like the Times Square area by where I worked. Those were generally where it was. But the Toys R Us one, just to be clear, this was in Northern Boulevard in Queens where it was not just Toys R Us, but it was like Toys R Us was part of a shopping center that had like Models, like a Burger King, like a movie theater. So it was one of those deals, like a bigger thing. The Toys R Us, I just think, was the funniest part about it, which is why I always tag it like that. Yeah, it's not as funny if it's not a standalone Toys R Us. Yeah, so it wasn't, to be fair. Um, every time I look up, and I'm being a little hyperbolic, but every four, six months, I see something new about what you guys are doing. And you were the first, you know, big piece to sign on the dotted line with what is now BetQL. And you guys have just gone up and to the right, up and to the right. But every, like I said, four to six months, it's something. The last big drop was that BetMGM is sponsoring the whole network. Just take me through where it was when you guys started and where you're at now and how much more comfortable you are. Because it was, it was a risk, whether you admit it or not. It was a risk going there. You took a shot. They took a shot on you. It's a pretty good match. Take us through what it was like then and what it's like now. Yeah, so it's a it's a really it's a funny question. I'll try to keep this short because I could like this is obviously something I could wax poetic about for a really long time. So I'll give the people at Odyssey a lot of credit. Um, people could say what they want about the company, and I know a lot of people say a lot of different things about the company, and that's fine. But as far as like I am concerned, like in my purview and what I do, I feel like the company has always shown like incredible foresight with all of this stuff with with sports betting. So in two this is 2019 when you better you bet starts, and I start having conversations with people. Then it was called Entercom, obviously and they wanted to do a sports betting show right now they didn't want to like it wasn't something they were pumping a lot of resources to at the time it was more of like a dipping the toe into the water sort of thing um and we were part of at the time what was called radio.com sports a network that no longer exists so for me it was always my thought process was was it a risk like sure in the same way that anything new is a risk um and like did i did i necessarily care about like how we were being branded or like the other shows on the network. Like, no. And I'm being honest about that. Like, I really didn't care. My thought is always like, if I'm involved in something, like it's going to be good. Like I'm going to make it good. Like there's no other choice. Otherwise, like I'll go do something else with my life. And like the moment I feel like I can't do it anymore or like I can't be a part of a good product, I'll walk away and I'll find something else to do. Cause I just, me, the way I'm wired, I can't wake up in the morning and mail it in. That's just not how I'm wired. So I, I always knew it was going to be good or I would just walk away or they would fire me or something, right? I'd go try and do something else. So thankfully, the show ended up doing well enough that when COVID hit, like we were building a lot of momentum as a show heading into the NCAA tournament. So COVID hits and I'm like, shit, like existential dread. Are we going to play sports again? Like, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a football season? Like, is Odyssey and Ercom at the time going to show the commitment to us? And they did. Like, throughout the pandemic, it was always, this show is coming back. Like, when sports come back, like, like we are going to feature you guys. And to their credit, that's what they did. We had a badass 2020. And I will always say, I would vote Roger Goodell for president of the United States for no reason other than they completed a full season in 2020 and basically fucking saved all of our jobs. So, like, if I don't 
don't want to hear one fucking person in the sports media bang on Roger Goodell because if there's no NFL season in 2020, like who knows if any of us are employed right now or what the situations would be. He saved a lot of our asses by completing that season during the height of COVID basically in 2020. And from there, it was just like, I know all systems go. Like added a new show, what is now BetQL Daily with Joe O, whom I love and I know you love as well. Used to do chicken dinner with you. And then before last season, like the full-fledged network, BetMGM comes on before this year. So like, just like onward and upward, you know, we kind of like, we got an opportunity and uh, we took advantage of it. And here we are now. So it's been a really, really fun ride to this point. And uh, to quote the great philosopher Ludacris, um, trying to think of what the exact line is. I'm going to butcher it here. Um, take a look at what I did and then imagine what I'm about to do. There's a great line before that though. And I'm, and I'm completely screwing it up. But anyway, yeah, there it is. That was such a great answer until the very end. Oh, I'm I'm riding high, but I ain't reached my cruising altitude. Take a look at what we did, and now imagine what we're about to do. That's the line. There it is. There it is. Bang, as Mike Breen would say. I'm just thinking about you now talking about Korean baseball and Russian table tennis for six months. What a nightmare that would have been. Um, Let's wrap it up with this. We haven't talked about this on Chicken Dinner before, and I don't think I've really talked about this with many people because it's not that important, but there was a group in Chicago – in what early 2019 that was putting together an idea of a sports betting radio network so to say you were in there I was in there Joe Ostrowski Kelly Stewart John Murray there were a lot of heavy hitters in the space that were all in that conversation and we flew you out to Chicago we had a big meeting there were like 25 people in this conference room and then you and I went out for the first time got totally slapped and you ordered shepherd's pie. Everybody looked at you like you were fucking crazy. Because after about six hours of drinking, the waitress is like, anything else? You're like, shepherd's pie. But yeah, we- I'll tell you what. I bet people were pretty jealous once they saw it come and saw me started <laughs> eating it, right? But we almost worked together. I don't think people know that. Yeah, that was uh, that was a really, like, that's a seminal time in my life. Um, I had just left CBS. And I had literally met my future wife, whom I'm engaged to now, and we're getting married in June. So that was Valentine's Day, 2019. It was literally February 14th, 2019 is when I flew out. It was a Thursday, and then Friday was the 15th. I met my fiance on February 12th. So I met her that Tuesday, and then I flew out to Chicago that Thursday. So I will always remember the dates for that reason. Um, and yeah, we had a great time out in Chicago. It was great to like hang out with you and Joe and then some of the other people that were there. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty prescient because while you're saying that, like, hey, like all these people were out there having this meeting. Like it's 2023 now and like gambling's everywhere. And like everyone's posting their picks with their green check marks and it fucking infuriates me. <laughs> this was 2019, early 2019, way ahead of the curve. And uh, you were way ahead of the curve with a lot of the stuff. And I know like, I, I don't want to say like you spearheaded it because I don't want to put like words in your mouth. No, but like no. you were obviously one of the driving forces of kind of like at least like the content part of it. You were way ahead of the curve on this also. So yeah, that was something that almost happened in early 2019. I remember calling you from a Chicago Dogs game. And for those that don't know, the Chicago Dogs are an independent league baseball team. I was the liaison for the college broadcasters calling the Chicago Dogs games. And I'm like, Nick, 
we got to do something. You were out of work. I was out of work. I'm like, we got to do something. But it all worked out from that point forward. And that's amazing. You met the fiance on the 12th, and then we're out on the 14th. History in the making. That is that is history. And, uh, yeah, and like it's pretty cool now. Like You're killing it. You got all the stuff that you do. You come on You Better You Bet all the time. Uh, the show is doing well. I'm very happy. I'm getting married uh, to the woman that I met a couple days before that meeting in Chicago. So pretty crazy. Like Life's pretty nuts and uh, kind of led us here, and it's pretty pretty awesome. I got no complaints. He's Nick Costos at the Costos host personality at you better you bet with Ken Barkley Monday through Friday, three to 7 PM Eastern on Odyssey. My man, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for making me a part of what you do. And I know we'll be talking uh, very, very soon. Looking forward to it, my man. And I'll give you my catchphrase to end as I always do. Wishing everybody minimal sweats when he bets the absolute very best of luck. So you'll be the greatest man alive when I'm